And so last week in chapter nine, we learned that Israel is not simply the nation Israel. Okay, there are Jews that are, are born into you know, Israeli descent. And then there are true Jews, the true called out uh, people of God. And those are people who are saved by faith. Okay, remember we talked about how just because you're born into a Christian home does not mean that you are automatically a Christian. Doesn't mean you're automatically a Christ follower. And, and that's a, a component that Paul is trying to communicate through the book of Romans is that just because you're born into a certain family by blood does not make you a member of the family of God. That's really something that Jesus came in and tweaked, okay, or changed. And, uh, and so we, we leaned into that and... Uh, at the end of chapter nine, we talked about how Israel has really found Jesus to be a stumbling block. And that was prophesied years before. Uh, and that's who Jesus was. He was the stumbling block, the, the stone that they stumbled over. And still today, isn't that the case? Many people can believe in God. They can believe in some religious things. But whenever you start talking about Jesus and putting your faith in one name, right there, it sort of seems a little bit, um, you know, isolated or exclusive. Well, <laughs> isn't that what we believe? That there's one way? There's one way, his name is Jesus, and you have to put your faith in him. See, that's what we believe in. But guys, don't you know that culture tries to tr broaden, br broaden the scope. There are many ways to God, but biblically speaking, there is only one. There's only one. And, and we, don't, we aren't arrogant about that. Actually, we learn from Paul, it broke Paul's heart. His heart, it went out to the Jewish community. He was a Jew himself. So these are his brothers and sisters, and we see that. We saw that, and we're also gonna see it again here, that Paul's heart is, is greatly affected by the fact that you know, his brothers and sisters have rejected Jesus. They didn't, they didn't seek Jesus as the Messiah. And so then again, uh, the big idea today that we really wanna walk away with is that this great news, um, we are carriers of this news. And we are on mission. We've got to think about ourselves that way. So with kind of all that set up, let's go ahead and jump in chapter, uh, jump in chapter 10, verse one. It says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, speaking about the Jews, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, just a quick uh, snapshot. If you guys remember, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing this book to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome has two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. So you have the Jews who are relying in, on the law that they were given by God to obey the law in order to attain righteousness. And then you have the Gentiles who salvation has now been revealed to them through Jesus. And they are leaning into this, this faith, right? This grace. And there's conflict, you know, is, is it the law or is it grace? And they're, 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 you gotta live like this. And they're like, no, we don't. And so there's all this conflict. And again, Paul is sort of bringing them both together to realize that both are equally important. Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. But at the same time, we are not made righteous by what we do, okay? We're made righteous by what we believe, by our faith. And so this is a big, this is a big concept, justification by faith. It's a huge component. Actually, it's something, again, to remember the, the Protestant Reformation. We talked about it uh, early on in, in Romans. This was a key point, and it's still a key point today. Uh, so 
So the Jews were, and they still are very passionate and zealous about God and attaining his righteousness. But, but with Jesus, things changed. The pathway sort of became foggy, right? See, it's important to have zeal and, and knowledge. You know, zeal without knowledge is sort of dangerous. Right? I'm super passionate, but I have no knowledge or I have no direction in where I'm headed. So I'm just super passionate, but it's not being channeled into the right thing. Zeal and knowledge can, can kind of be like taking a trip somewhere and you're super excited about going there, but you don't know where there is, <laughs> right? Have you ever been in your car and all of a sudden your GPS shuts off? Like you lose internet, like you're in a mountain or whatever, and all of a sudden it's gone. And you were so confident, you were happy, you had music playing. And then all of a sudden it's like, boop, you know, and it's, where are we? Everybody starts going into chaos. You start throwing stuff and saying words that you hadn't said in years. You know, so you're ashamed of that. Now you're asking for forgiveness. And now you don't even know where you're going anymore. You just, you just feel bad about the whole scenario. You see how quickly things get, it's just my family, I can see. It's just... Sometimes I say things, you know, theoretically like that in order just to see if it's just us. But um, this past week we went on a trip and uh, we had a couple cars sort of caravanning and it was a guy, girl, and a girl, girl car. Guy, well, that said weird, that was weird. It was a guy car and a girl car. And uh, so we ended up missing a, a turn. They ended up missing a turn. It was chaos. And we, <laughs> we arrived maybe 30 minutes late, but it's all good. It didn't matter. But, uh, but what happened, man, we lost our direction. And all of a sudden the whole environment inside the car changed. It was no longer peace. It's like, get on the phone. Where, wait, was that one? I don't know where we are. It's kind of like the Israelites, man. They were tracking along. God had given them a clear and concise plan. Commandments, he gave them. Obey these. This is, this is how you are made righteous. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, there's this new message. There's this man that comes on the scene named, named Jesus, who's a Jew, and he says he's the Messiah, and he's changing the game. And some people are, are having trouble. They're having trouble making the turn. He was standing right in front of them, they didn't see him as the Messiah. They just didn't understand it. You know, John the Baptist in, in John chapter one, verse 31, he said, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. I mean, this is John the Baptist, y'all. Kind of a big deal, right? And the whole womb, the spirit God came upon him and, and the, the baby jumped. You know, the story, some of you are like, what are you talking about? I don't have time, but I mean, that's John the Baptist. And even at the end of his life, he was still, is Jesus the one? Like send somebody, go ask, like, are you the one? Am I about to give my life for the Messiah or is this gonna be a waste? Like, like what? And did you guys know that still today, right? You feel that struggle. You see it all over the place. There's still struggle between different belief systems and whether Jesus was who he says he was. A lot of people, Jesus was a good man. I believe he's a good teacher. I just don't believe that he was God. He was really who he said he was. Let me tell, help you all out. Either Jesus was who he said he was, okay? Or he's crazy. He said he was God. And that's what got him crucified. It wasn't a, a small thing. He might've said some principles that were kind of easy for everybody to hear, but there was other ones when, I mean, y'all, he told people you could drink my flesh and eat my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And whenever they walked away, you know, he looked at his disciples, y'all gonna leave too? He said some things that people were like, what? 
So let's not be all high and mighty in this room today and say, whoa, <laughs> oh, didn't see Jesus. He was right in front of them. You know, I, I think that there's a lot more of, there's a lot more of this Israel type of lifestyle in us. This belief system, this, these struggles, it might just look a little bit different. So Paul takes verse five through 13 and he shows us the nature of Israel's ignorance and missing Christ as the fulfillment of the law and their need for salvation. But this applies to us. And I wanna say one thing before we move on. The gospel of Jesus is very simple, all right? A lot of the things that we're talking about can kind of seem like there's so many layers and it starts getting a little bit like, whoa. But at the end of the day, the gospel is very simple. Don't overcomplicate it. A lot of people do. And then all of a sudden people find it hard to come to Christ. You come to Christ with nothing. You have nothing to offer him. That's very simple to come to, right? You have nothing to offer. So don't come to Christ thinking that you have to kind of, you know, have all of these ideas and all this understanding. You come to Christ as you are. And so even though we're talking about all this, I want, you, I want to make sure that we still have that thread of the simple gospel woven throughout everything that we speak about. Verse five, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Now, what Paul's about to do is he's about to use the scriptures that the Israelites know well. For us, it's the Old Testament. He's about to reach back and pull into his letter some of these writings that they know about. He actually does it like 14 times in, in Romans 10 alone. So he, he wants to use concepts that they already understand and he wants to show them Jesus. He has this Christ-centered focus about the Old Testament. See, if you read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible with Christ at the center of it. It's the only way that it truly makes sense. If you don't see it that way, the Old Testament for a lot of you might seem useless. You might be like, ah, yeah. I'm gonna go to the New Testament. But I wanna remind you that Jesus is all throughout the Bible. He's the center of it. If you take Jesus, if you take him out of it, it sort of loses its, its you know, consistency. It's kind of like a, it's sort of like a, you know, a movie with no ending. It just leaves you hanging, right? Or a, like a joke with no punchline. Not that the Bible is a joke. Don't get me wrong with that. But you know, knock, knock, who's there? It's like, you got to finish it once you start it, man. Come on, what is it? You know, what's going on here? Uh, you've got to keep Christ at the center of the Bible. And that's what Paul does. He's like, guys, look, this is where Jesus is in your scriptures. And so verse six, he says, but the righteousness based on faith says, and again, this is pulling back from the, from the Isaiah. He says, do not, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. And all of you who have full understanding of what he's talking about are like, amen. And the rest of you are like, huh? <laughs> what do these things mean? Again, reaching back. Basically, he's like, don't act like Christ hasn't come. Don't act, don't act like heaven hasn't come, that Jesus didn't come and, and, and do the full work of salvation and die for your sins. Don't act like he didn't go into the depths and come back to life for you. Don't act like it, it's already been done. Don't act like it hasn't been done. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. 
confesses that Jesus is Lord. You know, the phrase Jesus is Lord, uh, it's a very simple thing to say, right? And, and I think there's some people that have done at times just Jesus is Lord and they feel like okay, everything's good. But a lot of times we say things and we really don't have a lot of understanding of what it really means. When we say Jesus is Lord, especially back in these times, it was significant. It meant a lot more than just three words. Jesus is Lord, meaning he is, he is over everything that I desire. He has full authority in my life. He is Lord. How many of you ever, ever said something about Jesus as Lord and Savior? right? Lord and Savior. A lot of times we're cool with the Savior part. We like that. That's positive and easy. Jesus is Savior. Yeah, he's my Savior. But what about whenever you say he is my Lord? You see, what happens there is you take your desires, your thinking, all of these things, your lifestyle, you take it and you submit it to him as Lord. And this right here is where a lot of people, they kind of they skip because I'm really cool with doing what I wanna do whenever Jesus saves me, because that's, that's easy. But whenever, whenever I have to give him all that I am, my dreams, my hopes, my passions, everything, that's where it doesn't feel, feel so free. Now for believers, we know that it is complete freedom. We know that it's true freedom, but, but at face value for many people who don't have that revelation, it's sort of hard to understand. That's why we need to read scripture. That's why we need to have the, the spirit of God on the inside of us revealing truth to us. See, actually true freedom is when you find yourself submitted to Jesus wholly and completely. Where you're no longer a slave to unrighteousness, but you're a slave to righteousness. We, we talked about that just a few weeks ago, living by the spirit, right? I don't have time to rehash all of that, but it's very significant whenever we say Jesus is Lord. And it was very significant at this time. This statement of faith, Jesus is Lord. Now, in contrast to the rigorous demands, righteousness by the law, with righteousness by the law, all that righteousness by faith requires is confessing and believing. And it's with the lips and in the heart that the savoring response to this message is made. And did you know that some people kind of struggle saying those words? They struggle saying Jesus is Lord. They'd like to keep their options open. But Jesus is Lord, he's savior and he's Lord of all. Verse 11, for the scriptures say, and again, he's pulling back from Isaiah right here. And he says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. So a couple of things, Paul is still evening the playing field between Jews and Greeks, this Jewish mindset, this Gentile mindset of Jews, you know, in this time, of course, they were the called out people of God, still are, but they were the chosen people. And again, they kind of always tended to feel like they were sort of the favorite child. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, no, 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 Jesus came and he's even the playing field. He's brought salvation to all, which everybody who's not a Jew in here is like, thank God. You know what I'm saying? This is good news. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is from the prophet Joel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is faithful to fulfill his promise and save those who call upon him. And I wanna say this to everyone, no matter who you are, no matter your background, 
God sent Jesus for you just as much as he did for anyone else. There's no like tier system, all right? There's those who don't believe in Jesus and there's those who do. There's those who are saved by grace through faith, right? And then there's those who have not put their faith in Jesus. So don't, I don't want you to feel like you've got to somehow attain this righteousness, somehow show up with your Sunday clothes on, right? And then like your good attitude and your good conduct. And then somehow some way that's going to conjure up the, the love of God for you. That's not the way that it works. His love is consistent. His grace is consistent and his grace is here for you. You've got to understand that because we struggle with unworthiness. We struggle with shame. It's one of the, it's one of the, the, the penalties of sin that we experience is shame. That we're never good enough. And I, th- I think a lot of times we come in on Sunday mornings and, and the music starts and we're saying these really awesome things, these truths, but we don't really believe it. Or we feel shame that we can't sing it. And I think for a lot of people, that's actually where they're at more than anything. They believe it, but man, they're like, let me just list out to you all the things that I've been thinking and who I am. And I just don't feel worthy to lift my hands and, and exalt God. It's, I don't know, I'm still working some stuff out. We're all working stuff out, <laughs> okay? Welcome to the party. We're all working stuff out. We've got to realize that. So we're justified by faith in Jesus and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul has explained once again, and if you've been coming any amount of time, you know that Paul has explained many times how we are saved. He keeps referring back to it. Why? Because I think through time, we had the conversation of, of salvation and grace and faith and God's goodness. And a lot of times we tend to then get into other conversations. And we almost draw a line and say, okay, that's, that's here, but let's get into other things. Let's talk about other things. But Paul, you, you see the way that he writes this. He'll talk about what Jesus has done and then he'll move into some other information. But guess what he does? He ties it. He always anchors it right back to the gospel over and over. Why? Because without the gospel being understood, nothing else will make sense. It won't. It's just like Jesus not in the Bible. (laughs) If he's not the Messiah, right? The Bible sort of loses its consistency. It's the same thing in our walks with God. If we forget or, or, or put to the side the good news of who Jesus did, who Jesus was and what he did for us, we'll lose our bearings. Everyone will be saved who calls on his name. So he explains salvation and now he talks about what we are to do once we're saved. Because how many of you know that once you get saved, once you're a believer, once you place your faith in Jesus, that it's not the end? Okay, it's, it's, the, the gun just went off for the race. The journey has just begun. All right, and so what does it look like? Well, we've talked about sanctification. We've talked about the process of being made uh, new and being made more Christ-like in the way that we act, our conduct, and how much it matters. But one of those components as well is that we are called to preach the good news. As believers, every single one of us, we are called to preach the good news. This is what Paul says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they gonna believe in him of whom, if they've never heard about him, And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and he's quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, Christians, every single one of us 
have been, um, we've been, we, we're signed up for the same commission. And it's this, to preach the good news. In the way that we live, in the way that we act, and what we say, we are called to reach people with the good news of Jesus. There's no dividing your existence from that. That is one component of your existence that has been, it's been redefined by saying yes to Jesus. Because your believing in Jesus does not stop with you. It continues on as you live your day to day. And this is something, come on guys, like st stick with me here. Don't glaze over. Like this is the part where we tell people about Jesus. Like, so I'm gonna go check Facebook right now. No, like at this moment is where, if you're a believer in this room, as we talk about this process, there's something on the inside of you that begins to tick. There's something that begins to come alive. You know, it, it's those moments whenever you're, you're maybe at a store and you see somebody walk by and you hear their conversation and you can hear the lack of Jesus in that conversation the lack of perspective, the lack, lack of purpose, the lack of life and hope, you hear that. Maybe, maybe it's some of your family members, right? Friends. And the way that they live their life apart from Christ, you just feel that void, right? And, and, and if you've had that void, then you remember it well. And so when you get around it, you can, you can sense it. And this might sound a little strange to some of you, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like, like hope and purpose and healing. You know, maybe there's some things that happened to you whenever you were younger and, and Jesus found you and he has healed you and he's restored you. And now you can talk about those things and it not bring you back to those moments. But you get around other people who haven't had that type of healing. And what does it cause you to do? It causes you to realize, number one, wow, God, you have done a great work in my life. Like you have healed places that I, th I thought would never get healed. The second thought is, God, I desire that you would do the same thing in other people. God, you, you love me, you saved me, but you love me too much to leave me where I was. You have restored and healed me and brought me forward. God, the same thing. I pray for this person right here. You, you can't separate it. In the life of a believer, you can't, <laughs> you can't do one without the other. It's married together. I got some buddies that, that I talk to quite often and they've got some friends who are, they're struggling, struggling. Here's the thing, their friends are struggling with the same things that they were struggling with just about two years ago. <laughs> you know what's awesome? Is to see the, the progression of faith and how it doesn't just affect you, but how it affects those around you. This, this person who maybe was struggling and, and you know, stuck in the mud, in the quicksand of life, God redeems and pulls them out and now they're helping other people come out of the same situations. That is what we're called to, y'all. It's what we're called to. And we can't forget it. And Paul is like, hey guys, if you don't go, how are they gonna hear? The guys that are on your, in, you know, in your workplace or the people in your family, if you don't, if you don't represent, <laughs> if you don't step out and, and pray and say something, you might be the one that God has put in their life for them to hear the message to see the gospel lived out. And if you don't, there might not be anybody else who will. You might be the one. This is how Paul lived his life. If we don't step out, if we don't go, there might not be another time around for these people. We gotta live life like that. You just gotta be motivated in that. 
And sometimes it's straight up, it just comes from being reminded about it. I don't know if you're like me, I have horrible memory. It's terrible, it's really bad. It's actually embarrassing sometimes, okay? I only know my birthday, my wife, whenever I realized that there's only 30 days in September, not 31, okay, um, <laughs> September 30th, it's bad, y'all. And, uh, you know, so I forget things. And so my mind is like, we're constantly inputting. And, and so something's really important and then all of a sudden something else comes into play and you're like, ooh, that's, that's important, you know? And then your brain's just constantly being, it's just changing out information. Hey, come on, y'all, don't, we live our lives like that as Christians sometimes. It's whatever seems more important. It's like reaching people for the life-giving message of Jesus, reaching people with the gospel, reaching my finances aren't doing too good. Distracted. Oh, this message is happening and reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus, reaching people, man, all these politics, right? Life happens and all of a sudden this becomes less important. And then all of a sudden this over here is distracting. We gotta continue to wrangle that in. We are on mission. Two things that we taught you back in January is that you're equipped with your story and you're equipped with your theology. You're equipped with your experience of God, your story of how God found you and redeemed you. And you're also equipped with your theology, your understanding of who God is. And a lot of times it's easier, obviously, to, to understand your story because it's your story. I could tell my life story like that. Why? It's my life. But when I get to trying to explain something else, I might not know all the details. That's why we must continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our God. We must continue to grow in our faith. We must continue to read the word of God and allow it to change us and for us to understand what it says so that we can rightly divide the word of truth, that we can rightly uh, speak about and teach the word of God. Now, there's, it's kind of like two different scenarios. A lot of times when you say teach and preach, it's only what happens on a stage like this. And although that is true, one thing that, that will never leave the church and never leave society is that there will be people who always teach, uh, you know, from, an, from a position that, that, that communicates information to help people understand. That's, come on, y'all, that's never gonna change, right? But that does not mean that just because we might not be on a stage or on a platform with a microphone in our face teaching something that we don't have the responsibility to learn and to self-feed and to grow as people. It's a mandate that we must, why? I think one of the huge components is that we must be able to defend our faith. We've got to understand why we believe what we believe. Jesus came, died on a cross for my sin. Yes, okay, good, I'm, I'm good. Maybe there should be a little bit more understanding around what all those things represent, right? Like maybe we should be able to quote more than just John 3.16. And for those of us who can't quote that, uh-oh, and I don't know, Jesus wept. Okay, there's always that, there's always those verses. Right? Like maybe have a little bit of word in it. Now I'm not talking about knowing every reference. If you ask me, some people do this to me sometimes. I already said my memory is terrible. And they're like, well, you know what Galatians 3 verse 4 says, right? The second half of it. And I'm like, I have no clue. All right, like, what does it say? You know, <laughs> you've obviously studied this recently, you know? Right, right. I'm not talking about like memorizing the whole Bible, but I am talking about having it in you 
to where you understand the, the, the culture of God, right? The, 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 the feel, the way that he thinks to where then whenever you're living life, you're not just living life based upon your own opinion, upon your own feelings. You're living life based upon the word of God. We've got to grow in our knowledge of God. We've got to grow. Y'all with me? Yes. Let's keep growing. He goes on, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? You ever feel like that? Is anyone believing what we're talking about? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? All these people, they've been, they're preaching Jesus. Paul is preaching Jesus. All throughout the scripture, you can actually see other areas where, where the prophets would go to the people. And at times God told them, hey, you're gonna go and they're not gonna obey. You're gonna go and they're not gonna repent. And guys, I just wanna say, we're gonna go and we're gonna continue to preach Jesus. And you're gonna continue to live your life in front of people for years. And some of them will never believe in Jesus. They won't. I can't wait till the whole world is following Jesus. Again, read the Bible. That's not the case. At some point, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. But for right now, there's many people just like we see with the Israelites, just like we see in our day to day, people say no to Jesus. And so here's the deal, guys. There could be a lot of frustration in that. There could be a lot of frustration in preaching Jesus and living right and praying for people and not seeing results. But I wanna help you out with something. You don't have to carry the burden of the results. That's not yours to carry. I, I don't carry the burden of the results of what happens in this church in regards to how many people this and all this kind of stuff, right? Yes, we have to take care of, of things and all that good stuff. I'm talking about at the end of the day, God builds his kingdom, God saves, God heals, God redeems. So you don't carry the, the burden of results, but you know what you do carry? You carry the burden of obedience. You carry the, 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 you have to be obedient in following God, but also in preaching the good news in teaching the good news. We are responsible to carry this message forward. So don't feel the burden of the result. Leave that in God's hand. If not, you'll start manipulating people and trying to force them to follow Jesus. And you just say this prayer, just say it. And I'm like, dude, it's <laughs> kind of getting weird. It's weird, don't do that. That's not a good evangelistic tool. Just say, say Jesus is Lord. No, or just say it. Just, <laughs> got a tally going here. No, no, that's, that's not it. But we are called to love people. We're called to love God and love people. I wanna encourage you in that. Trust in God. He goes on, he says, says, first Moses says, I will make you, speaking of Israel, jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, Gentiles, I will make you angry. It's kind of funny how God plays off the human tendencies of people. He plays off the jealous nature of people in order to, to almost draw them back to him. You know, I got two little girls and one of them's uh, seven years old and one of them's 15 months. And uh, something funny happens is if the little 15 month old, if Elon doesn't want to come by us, we'll like, oh, Ariana, it's our seven year old. Give her a hug. And all of a sudden Elon, guess what she does? She's kind of like, 
You know what I'm saying? She kind of waddles over. Why? She gets jealous. She's jealous. She's like, I thought I was the favorite child, you know? God used the Gentiles. We're going to get a little bit further into this next week, but, but God used the Gentiles to actually sort of arouse jealousy in Israel, to draw them back, to, to say, hey, we're God's chosen people. Yeah, but, but now it's opened up. It's opened up, and all the Gentiles are like, Thank you, Lord. That's good news. Verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I found, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Again, Paul using the scriptures that you know, the Israelites knew in order to illustrate something to them. Verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God was so faithful and so good to the Israelites. Again, if you read scripture, you'll, you'll see where the Israelites, they would they'd live in obedience to God and then they would begin to fall away. And then God would judge them. He would, you know, sometimes it was, you know, a war or different scenarios, but, but then they would come back to God and a generation would serve him and then they'd fall off. And, and all throughout it, there's just a wonderful rhythm of God's grace and mercy for them. But at times there was a judgment of God but we still see the same thing nowadays. Is that God still has his mercy and his grace outstretched to us. And it's even actually been enlarged. And in this room today, I just know that there's a lot of you, uh, you're, you're coming in and you are, you're struggling with this belief system. You're struggling, but you're here, you're watching. And you're like, I might not have it all figured out, but I know that this is truth. I know that, I, I know that I just, there's something in me. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and revealing Jesus to you. And so I, I don't wanna like make it all mystical sounding and all, but it is true. By his spirit, God is drawing some of you. And I wanna give each and every one of you an opportunity to respond because it's so important that we actually respond to what God is doing in our heart. And I wanna read the scripture, one last scripture, and then we'll pray. Verse nine again says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So right now in this, this, this moment, maybe you find yourself as a sort of an example, feeling like you're Israel. <laughs> like, man, I've, I've been to this thing a few times. I've said yes to Jesus at one, you know, one, one part of my life and then kind of walked away or I don't know if I really died. Can we just put all of that aside for a moment? All the if, if am I this or am I that? Put it all aside. Because again, we're trying to figure stuff out. And at this moment, let's just surrender our hearts to God. Amen? Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in this place right now and you know that you're far from God, you know that you don't have a relationship with him, it's more about the do's and the don'ts and the rituals versus this relationship where God speaks to you. And maybe you don't really have a good understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do for you. Some of you, maybe you fall in that category of feeling like you're unworthy. You, you truly want to pray. You truly want to uh, you know, say yes to following Jesus, but you seriously believe that God won't hear your prayer. You, you're in a place right now of such shame you feel like you're worthless to such a place that you, you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna do my best and maybe God will 
you know, at the end, maybe he'll let me in to heaven. I, I don't know. I wanna say that God has more for you than that. God loves you. He created you. He knows you. He hears you. He knows what your heart's condition is already. And his hand is outstretched to you right now. He's faithful to his promises. He'll redeem every sin. He'll, he'll turn you around, redeem your heart and restore you. Doesn't matter how great the sin is. I wanna pray with you. And if you're in this place right now and you say, that's me, we're gonna say a prayer. You can, you can repeat, pray along with me or you can pray your own prayer to God. The main thing is that you connect with Jesus right now. Let's pray. God, I come to you humbly and broken before you. God, I'm, I'm bringing you all the good, the bad, the ugly, the successes, all the failures, all the things that I try to lift up that have some sort of worth to them. And right now I lay it all down. And God, I ask for you to change me, to forgive me of my sin. Right now, Lord, I, I align myself with you. God, I thank you for sending Jesus on the cross, dying for my sin, shedding his innocent, priceless blood for me to restore me. And today I throw all that I am into that faith that you are good, that you are with me. God, that you've known me since before I was even born. And today I say yes to you. I submit my heart to you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. I want to stay right here in this moment. I want to pray for all of us as believers. Come on, all three locations, watching online, watching on cable, wherever you're at. God, we are asking right now that you would anoint us, God, as believers to go into our community, to go into our families, our schools, our workplaces, and God, to carry this message with us wherever we go. God, let us not compromise our belief. Let us not compromise our standards. God, but Lord, let us continue to live holy and upright before people. God, that we would live a good, be a good example of Jesus, that we would love when it's difficult to love, that we would have compassion on the least of these. God, that we would not be distracted from our calling, but God, that we would wake up every day on mission. God, we pray right now for those that we are praying for, our threes. God, those that are on our cards. God, right now we pray them by name. God, that you would draw them. God, that you would draw them by your spirit. God, that we would have opportunities to reach out and to, to minister the gospel to those who are far from you. God, this is why we exist. Lord, let us not be distracted with the day today. God, let us keep everything prioritized properly. But Jesus, let your power be in us. Empower us to go and be the church. We say yes in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for what God did today in this place. Amen. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, you can check out all our past sermons and all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi. And even to, to give to support those efforts of reaching more people, be sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching. We hope to see you soon.